why does God allow Satan to exist? I mean, is there? I mean, we know the story of how he came to be. That we know originally he was a um, created being, an angelic being, and that he was very close to God, uh, Lucifer, Satan, and this being, this angelic being, rebelled against God and took a third of the angels with him in this rebellion. Why does God allow, I mean, is there any beneficial uh, reason for Satan's existence is what I want to deal with today. And I think the answer is, in other words, does, does Satan in any way benefit God's purpose and plan that he has for mankind? Is there any type of benefit by allowing this being to exist? Now, we know that Satan is deeply perverted and corrupted. We also know that there's a fascinating statement in the Bible that sort of explains his motive, his, his way of thinking, that is, Satan. Now, on the last program, I talked about two religious spirits, and I said that Satan is one of the most deeply religious beings you will ever meet. In fact, I'm convinced that if you want to find this being, uh, go to church. Now, I know that sounds almost blasphemous, but I think by the end of this message, you'll, you'll understand more of what I'm talking about. Because this being is deeply religious, well, let me just quote you this scripture, Isaiah 14 and verse 14, speaking of Satan. He says, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. All right, this is the original rebellion here. And notice what he says. Satan says, I will be like the Most High. Now, he doesn't say I'm going to be opposite, the very opposite of the Most High. He says, I'm, I will be like the Most High. Now, what does that imply to you? This is one of the reasons I believe that, that Lucifer, Satan, is, is, is a deeply religious being because, well, this statement right here, he says, I will be like the Most High, not total opposite, not you know, but but like the Most High. We also know from Scripture, Second Corinthians 11 and verse 14, speaks of Satan, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. That is, if he ever appears to you, this being, this deeply religious being, he will appear as an angel of light. He'll probably tell you what you want to hear. You will think you've just gone through a deeply religious experience. My question is, why is he appearing as an angel of light? There you get a picture of, of just how great this deception can be. Here is this being who is actually against God, but appears and wanted to be like God, and here he appears as an angel of light. Fascinating deception going on here. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front why I think God has allowed this being to exist, this deeply religious being called Satan. The truth of the matter is God will not abridge man's freedom. God allows man to be free to make decisions for himself. In the garden, there were two trees, and uh, the tree of the, you know, the knowledge of the good and evil. You have to ask the question, why, if God didn't want man to take of that tree why did he place it in there the answer is is very simple man has to be free to choose between good and evil so god will not abridge man's freedom now man has the proclivity 
he has to be free for self-deception. He has to have that choice that if he wants to be deceived, he can be. He's free to be deceived. And here we come into the purpose, I believe, of Satan's existence, of why God allows this being to exist. It is for the purpose that if man wants to be deceived, self-deception, he can be. Not only that, he can have a partner in crime called Satan. Is That Really in the Bible? presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Now, I have in my office a what is called a minister's creed. It's taken from 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, where is this, this warning, this instruction that Paul gave Timothy. He says, The time will come when people will not listen to sound doctrine but will follow their own desires and will collect for themselves more and more teachers who will tell them what they are, their itching ears want to hear. They will turn away from listening to the truth and give their attention to legends. One of the things that this creed that I put down in writing, this creed, this minister's creed that hangs on my wall, you know, I, I understand man's proclivity for self-deception. One of the reasons I understand it is because I am a man and my own mind games and things that I've tried to convince myself of and sometimes theologies that I myself have tried to develop in order to avoid the will of God. But I put down here that religion is the one area where falsehood is valued the greatest. Notice this. Religion is one, is one of the areas where falsehood, not truth, is valued the greatest. Now, the reason falsehood is valued in religion is because there is a perceived personal gain, the gain of not having to do what the Bible clearly says to do. Now, that's the reason falsehood is valued in religion. In other words, if I can deceive myself, if I can convince myself that this is that the Bible doesn't mean what it says, that it really means something, it means the total opposite of what it says. This is the deception. This is the mind game. And this is where Belzebub, Satan the devil, comes in and works his magic. Yeah, he puts like a magic spell on people who want to be deceived, especially in the area of religion. And they go after, they chase after all the wrong ways to worship God. Now, continuing on, I said, people will only change when they have heard preaching that makes them feel uncomfortable. And not a moment before. It's not an issue of people not understanding the Bible. The real issue is people not wanting to do what the Bible says. Not understanding the Bible is your own fault. Now, God knows this, that, that us you know, not understanding the Bible is our own fault. We don't want to understand it. It's almost as if God has allowed a partner in crime called Satan where we can have this partner in crime that actually enhances our gross deception, the willingness to deceive our own selves, that this is all part of. In other words, by having this partner in crime, at least you have an excuse. You know, you can say, well, the devil 
influence me, which is which can be very true. Once God sees that you're going down this road of developing theologies that dismiss the will of God, of not wanting to do the will of God, once God sees this, I think he turns us over to this deeply religious spirit, and he takes over from there. Satan, the devil, he takes over from there. Now, the whole act is a religious act that we're involved in. We're, we're going through the motions. We're going to church six days a week, twice on Sunday. We can't get enough religion. But we're following a, a deception. Let's take a look at something the Bible says here. In Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 8, it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Yeah, Satan's religious works is going to be put to an end eventually when Christ returns. It says, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now, signs and lying wonders, you can see those. You can find those in church, actually. But, but again, you have to understand that this being is a deeply religious being. And it goes on to say in verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, in other words, they don't receive the truth. They don't receive a love for the truth. They want to be self-deceived. They want to kid, They want to play the little religious mind games of, you know, developing the, the theologies that says, you know, well, the law has been abolished, been nailed to the cross, been fulfilled, but all that stuff, because I really don't want to do what the Bible is telling me to do. They don't have a love for the truth. And for this cause, verse 11, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, there's a motive right there for not loving the truth. It is the pleasure of self, the pleasure that I get from not doing what, you know, I, I really don't want to do this. And so I get pleasure by not doing this, what God says to do. Now, it says that God's going to send them strong delusions, that they should believe a lie. Now, the delusions is is the working of Satan the devil. It is, again, when God turns a person over to this being who is deeply religious and allows the person to be deceived, allows the person to believe a lie, allows the person to believe this theology that dismisses the will of God. Yeah. All of this is, is part of God allowing this being to exist because God understands the heart and nature of man. He he understands because he created man and knows how the heart can work, the incredible deception of mankind, how we can play games with ourselves, convince ourselves that we are, you know, deeply religious. Oh yeah but not willing to do a thing that God says to do, that tells us to do. Yeah, but still deeply religious. I mean, you've met people like that. Jesus talked about these people when he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and won't do the things I tell you to do? And he refers to them as workers of iniquity. That's lawlessness. The word iniquity means no law. law they have a, a no-law theology, if you will. Now, how do they stand firm in this no-law theology? Well, because there is a deeply religious spirit being out there called Satan the devil that manipulates and allows them to, to believe these things and to develop and teach these theologies that do away with the will of God and dismisses the will of God and dismisses the law of God and whatever. 
Now, a lot of people struggle with this concept. Okay, why would God allow another deeply religious being to exist? You know, isn't this counterproductive? I mean, I I thought God was trying to save the world right now. And by having this another deeply religious spirit that can deceive people and cause people to go astray and not believe the truth, isn't this counterproductive? Well, it is counterproductive if you don't understand God's plan. First of all, let's touch on the issue of saving the world. Let me tell you who God is saving right now, the elect, the called of God. They're referred to in the Bible as the first fruits, which is really the meaning behind the day of Pentecost, that God is now calling a first fruit. Now, if you fit into that category, then, yeah, God is, is offering you salvation today. But for the most part, this first fruit is a very small group of people. Now, this does not mean that the rest are lost. It just means that right now is not their time. There will be a much greater harvest out into the future as we look beyond this, you know, as we look beyond uh, this physical life and, and then into the millennial reign of Christ, the resurrection from the dead, the first resurrection, I should say, and then beyond that, uh, is is God will seek to it that everybody gets a chance for salvation according to his timing. So what is true is that if if man wants to be deceived, God is more than willing to give you the freedom to be deceived in the area of religion. In fact, he will see to it that you'll be deceived. In fact, he has provided us uh, what is available to us is a great religious a deeply religious spirit being called satan that uh offers us the opportunity to be deceived if that's what we're desiring if that's what we want again satan is totally perverted but he's a great deceiver there's two ways to worship god the right way and the wrong way and satan is the mastermind at getting people to worship god the wrong way that a way that is not really pleasing to god Now, in John 7 and verse 17, Jesus said this. He said, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Notice that. If any man will do his will, he's going to know the truth or the doctrine. Now, if people are not willing to do God's will, guess what? They continue to want to be deeply religious. You've got to understand this. I mean, people that don't want to do God's will, they still want to be religious. They still want to be saved. They still want to go to church. They still want to sing in the choir. They still want to go through the, uh, get on the merry-go-round of, 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 uh, of Christianity or the merry-go-round of churchianity, I should say. They still desire that, but they don't want to do what God says to do. You see, true religion has always been about doing God's will. That, that's what it's about. It's, it's what starts at the beginning. You know, eat this tree, don't eat of that tree. You know, uh, it, it's always been about doing the will of God. Now, we have made it other things. Preachers have made it many other things than, than, than doing the will of God. I mean, you hear expressions like grace plus nothing, there's nothing you must do, just believe, just accept, just invite Jesus into your heart. You know, you, you hear all these, these uh, one-liners these religious one-liners, but true religion has always been about doing what God says to do. It's never been anything but that. And so we've drifted away 
from that. And we've built a religion, a theology based on one-liners like just believe, just invite Jesus into your heart, nothing you must do. What must you do to be saved? Nothing. A famous television evangelist used to say that. Nothing. So we've negated the will of God. And this is what Jesus talked about when he talks about why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say, you workers of iniquity, which is lawlessness. It's always true religion. It's always been about man's willingness or unwillingness to do what God says. Now, if there is an unwillingness, and we're playing the mind games, but we still want to be religious, you see, then that's where the great deception comes in that's where the deceiver comes in that's where this deeply religious spirit being comes in called satan the devil to set the stage for us to be deceived and to go after to chase after an irrelevant religion that really gets us nowhere now my own experience with this in self-deception i want to share that with you because uh you know i would have no authority to speak about this if if i didn't if it if I didn't have this experience, but um, when God was first calling me, I came across it was a passage I think in the Old Testament about God's annual holy days, and I I, I read, you know about okay these are the feast of Jehovah. I thought, boy, that's that's pretty serious, you know the feast of gods they they belong to Him. They are the feast of Jehovah. And as I studied the holy days, I thought, you know, I I really, you know, this is strange. I'd never heard of these days before in church, and uh, I thought this is weird. And I I really don't want to keep these days. I mean, I I'll stand out like an oddball, you know. I'll look like a weirdo, and because while the world was you know keeping their religious holidays of Christmas, Easter, Halloween, and church, whatever. You know, all that was familiar. I mean, you know, hey, I'm, I'm keeping Halloween in church. Well, okay, you're looked at as normal if you say something like that. But uh, these days had strange names and and names that most people had never heard of. Feast of what? You know, Feast of Unleavened Bread? What a crazy name. What are you? What, what's that about? And so I, I really didn't want to keep those days. I, I mean, I didn't. And um, I began to work on a theology that said, well, you know, David, Think about it. You know in the New Testament all that's going to be done away with. It's going to be fulfilled. It's mosaic. It's it's for Israel only. Yeah, it's for, you know, and I started going down that road. Well, it's got to be for somebody else, not for me. You know, Feast of Jehovah. These are the Feast of Jehovah. Well, that, that's, that's for Joe down the street, but it sure isn't for you. And I worked hard at developing a theology that dismissed that. Well, thankfully, by the grace of God, I came to my senses. I just said, well, David, you know, if you don't want to do this, just don't do it. But don't be religious. You know, just can your religion at this point. And I I made the decision at that point, okay, God, okay, I get it. I, I, I'm not really interested in being religious. I want to do what you tell me to do. What I'm saying is, had I continued down the road of self-deception, God would have turned me over to this deeply religious spirit being and allowed me with confidence to develop the theology that I didn't have to do any of that 
it's all something, you know, been fulfilled, whatever, been done away with. I didn't have to do anything like that. He would have turned me over to that great, deeply religious spirit being called Satan, who is a great mastermind at religious deception. I mean, you have to ask the question, why does God warn us over and over again about false prophets, false teachers? Why? Well, because the outcome is not what you think it is. The outcome is not salvation. The outcome is not what you think with with these false teachers. You're deceived with these false teachers. And a lot of times the illusion is, well, the teacher, because he's deeply religious, motivated by a deeply religious spirit being called Satan, he's drawing me closer to God. He talks about God. And the illusion is I'm being drawn closer to God, where in reality... Drawing closer to God is about doing what he says to do. It's about doing his will. If any man will do his will, he will know. He shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Where do false teachers get their inspiration and power? You ever ask that question? Because a lot of them are good at what they do. Where do they get their inspiration and power? You can't say a false teacher gets it from God, can you? Are you saying God inspires this? No. No, it's not God that inspires these false teachers and false preachers. It, it is it is say, it is a deeply another. There's two deeply religious spirits out there, and there is one that is totally corrupted and perverted and evil, but he's deeply religious. That's where they get their power from. You know, Jesus said in John 15 and verse 22, "If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not sinned, but now they have no cloak for their sins. They have no covering for their sins." You know. The way God works is this, you know, with our minds and understanding our great potential for deception and deceiving ourselves and and developing wrong theologies and chasing after religions that dismiss the will of God and develops their theologies that says you don't have to do anything, you know, just 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 go to church or whatever. Uh, all the the deception that we chase after, the way God works is if. He, he gives us a little bit of truth, just a little bit. And if we're willing to accept that, he'll give you a little bit more. And if you're willing to accept that, he'll show you a little bit more. But it all depends on what you're willing to accept, what you're willing to accept and do. The moment you start playing the mind game, God hands us over to another deeply religious spirit being. When we start playing the mind games, when we start saying, I don't want to do that, uh, and we start playing the little mind games of developing our theologies that dismiss the will of God, we're turned over to another deeply religious spirit being. Now, all of this is part of God's mercy, and it's part of God's plan, and it's the reason he has allowed Satan to exist. If you didn't have a cloak, if, if you just said, God, I, I'm not doing that, and you didn't have a partner in crime. You didn't have this deeply religious being. You know, I, I think God knows that if there were no Satan, we would be without an excuse. You know, we would still play our little mind games. We would still set ourselves up for great deception, but we wouldn't have an excuse. We have a partner in crime. So at least in the end of it all, when it comes to we stand before God, God's going to say, why did you believe this religious nonsense that you believed? Why did you believe the law has been abolished, nailed to the cross, fulfilled, all that stuff? You know, and at least you will have a partner in crime, and, 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 and God can have mercy on you because he, he understands the great deception, 
and actually allows us to be, gives us the freedom. Here's the point. God will never abridge your freedom for self-deception. If you want to believe a lie, God is more than willing. In fact, he, he will pave the way with a being called Satan, who is deeply religious. He'll allow you to go down that road, and he'll turn you over to that being. Now, you can still play church. You can still go to church. You can go through the. You can ride that merry-go-round of churchianity the rest of your life, but it's all a lie in the end. It doesn't draw you closer to God. It doesn't bring you closer to God. Again, true religion has always been about doing what God says to do. That's what it started out with in the Garden of Eden. You're going to do what I. T- and it ends in the Book of Revelation with those that have right to the tree of life, are the ones that keep His commandments. Again, doing the will of God. Doing the will of God. That's that's what it boils down to. And, you know, I know people say, well, what about salvation? Salvation by grace and all that. All right, let's just put that on the side burner. I'm not even talking about salvation. I'm talking about a relationship with God. Forget salvation. I'm talking about a relationship with God. Why are you so focused on salvation? And why have you made it so simple? Just raise your hand. Invite Jesus into your heart. Forget about salvation for a moment. I'm not even discussing discussing the issue of salvation. I'm discussing salvation. Will you do what God tells you to do? A relationship, because that's where a relationship with God begins. Now, if we can't get past that, forget salvation. It doesn't exist in your life. If we can't get past, you know, this, if we can't first get into a relationship, and the way you get into a relationship with God is by the willingness to do what God says to do. That's where it starts. It starts with three words. I was wrong. That's where, where a relationship with God starts. I am wrong. Until you can say that, you know, there is no salvation. There, there's nothing. There, 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 there's not even a, rela- a relationship with God until you can say I was wrong. So we have to understand this, that, that the creating and allowing this being to rebel against God, God could have stopped it. God could have put this being, Satan, out of his misery a long time ago. But he has allowed him to exist down through history for the past 6,000 years of mankind on this earth. And he's there in the garden, and he's there at the very end, the book of Revelation. Eventually, he will be put out of his misery, but he serves a purpose. He serves a purpose because because of man's proclivity for self-deception. God will not abridge man's freedom. It's always been about worship God the right way, worship God the wrong way. And this being exists, Satan the devil. God has allowed this being to exist because of the fact God will not take away our freedom for self-deception. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast. Watch the weekly program worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.